0: Live from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Silver and Black today. Your daily dose of all things Las Vegas Raiders football. News, views, guests, and your phone calls are all part of the game plan. There's only one nation, and it listens here. Now your host, Scott Colbranson.
1: Hour number two, Silver and Black today on this Friday, February 12th. 2021 we are talking Raiders football this is Scottle Branson as always our show is powered by our good friends Sam and Ashley injury attorneys call them anytime 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's best I'm also taking your phone calls 702-365-9200 is the number and by the way Every show I get geared up and I have a routine, right? We all have routines. Habits are important. Good habits, that is, are important. And so what I do is I skip lunch and instead I have a Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bar. If you've not had one of Dr. Chen's ultimate protein bars you are missing out. Not only are you missing out on good health, but you're missing out on great food. It is all natural ingredients, none of that crappy sugar alcohols or any of those fake sweeteners. This is made with good superfoods like quinoa and kale and and all that stuff that you want in your body. But the good news is it doesn't taste like crap, folks. No, it's not like you're eating an old leather shoe from some Looney Tunes cartoon. No, this is good stuff. These taste absolutely amazing. I had the mint chocolate chip brownie today, which is unreal. You guys have got to try it. The best way to try it, you can order them online with our special discount. If you're a listener to our show, you go to drjensnutrition.com. Use the code sbt 10 sbt10 you get a special discount plus you get free shipping or if you're in las vegas you can go to vegas discount nutrition you can find them there or you can find them at terrible Herbst convenience stores dr jen's ultimate protein bars they fuel me they fuel this show they are both members of raider nations dr jen and dr andrew her husband they are great, great people. So you're not only are you supporting a, a fantastic product, but you're supporting good people. They're members of Raider Nations. They're season ticket Raider Nation. They're, re, they're season ticket holders at Allegiant Stadium. The Golden Knights. These are folks involved in their community. Go support them. Dr. Jen's Nutrition.com. Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bar. Okay, we are back and we are talking about the the Raiders. Now, this past year, the rookie class. We've talked a about. Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett, but they weren't the only two drafted. So our good friend Nick Shook, um, who writes over at NFL.com, you've heard him on this show many, many times, um, released his grades by division. And so he goes through the AFC West, and he starts, I'm going to start with the Raiders, right? Because I want to know, too, what grade would you give the Raiders? And that's talking about Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Lynn Bowden Jr., who was traded for Raquan McMillan, basically. Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse, John Simpson, Ameek Robertson. Okay. Seven players they drafted last year. What grade would you give them? Okay. Nick gave the Raiders a C. So he gave the Raiders class for last year's draft a C talking about rugs and didn't put up the numbers that you would expect from a number 12 overall pick. Um, And also talked about Arnett who still, you know, many in the NFL believe that he was selected early, uh, but he had multiple health issues, the broken hand, the concussions, the COVID-19 he was there too. And then of course Bowden Jr. was traded Edwards again, big-bodied ex-receiver, a guy everybody wants. I mean, he was so impressive in that shortened camp when we were able to go to practices and watch him. We were all marveling at his physical tools and presence and what he was able to do. Couldn't stay on the field. He had the same problem in South Carolina. And then, of course, uh, Tanner Muse, who was wiped out by the toe surgery. I've never been a believer that Tanner Muse is going to be a difference maker at this level, just my opinion, he can prove me wrong, but that's just the way I look at it. And of course, John Simpson—he uh, got some time to develop, but he ended up making two starts because of Richie Incognito's injury, uh, and he got good reps there. Uh, and um, he—he was—he was doing fine. But then, of course, Denzel Good stepped into that role, and uh, the veteran just kind of took over there. But I think—I think Simpson over time is going to develop into a nice pick. As do I think Amik Robertson. I think he was playing in a defense that was tough for him to learn, especially as a rookie, and the fact that he has to develop into a good NFL player. Uh, but Nick gave them a C. So I, I want to hear you guys. Do you agree with the C? Would you give it a better grade? Would you give it a worse grade? 702-365-9200 is the number. And I'll go through the rest of the division, too. So the Raiders with a C. Um, the, the, the Chargers were rated a B+. Plus. And that's primarily because of Justin Herbert, of course, the rookie of the year quarterback who was taken number six overall. Kenneth Murray, a guy I really liked and I thought the Raiders might consider uh, at linebacker. Uh, and maybe late in the first round, uh, but he did not have a great season. But but he 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 was tough. Did not play well in coverage, and I think that's just one of the deals you saw this year with the offenses. I mean, I think defensive players in the NFL this year with a shortened season had a real tough time, especially younger players. Not all of them. There were some that obviously did really well, uh, but I think that uh, Kenneth Murray was one of those guys that just struggled a little bit. He he showed flashes. But he struggled. And then they had Joshua Kelly, the running back, of course, out of UCLA, who did okay at times. They had Joe Reed at wide receiver. And so a B-plus for the Chargers. Um, Then they have the Chiefs at a B-plus. Now, this is where I disagree with with Nick a little bit. Although I will say this. The Chiefs could have and should have addressed offensive line before they went running backs. As good as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was for them throughout the year, Man, there was some guys available there at the bottom of the first round that you could have, you could have done, you could have picked up that would have helped their offensive line, which was their big weakness, which you saw exposed in their Super Bowl loss. So, and then at Willie Gay, the linebacker, of course, who played pretty good. He had eight starts, played in all sixteen games. They did, they did take an offensive tackle last year, Lucas Nying, but he opted out for COVID, so they lost that guy. Uh, uh, Legarius Sneed, of course um and and so i think a b plus for them it's you know based on edwards hilaire i guess you see that um but 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 gay it was okay so i i don't know if i agree with the b plus with the chiefs uh but uh, especially with that but the broncos were the highest uh, next highest rated with a b Based on Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, the wide receiver, so they took to those two wide receivers at the top, uh, and so so that that's the grade that they that uh, Nick gave out of that big draft class that the Broncos had gave them a B. So they had the he had the Raiders rated the worst in the division as far as rookie class grades. And, and it's hard to argue that he's wrong on that one, because if you look at, I mean, again, I think the Chiefs could be lower, maybe be minus. But if you look at what the Raiders drafted, and and again, I'm unapologetic about the fact that I think Henry Ruggs is going to work out fine. A lot of people disagree with me, and that's cool. But I think Henry Ruggs, and then you have Damon Arnett, which you took really early in the first round compared to where most people had him slated. He's got some red flags coming out of Ohio state. Then Lynn Bowden is your next pick in the third round. And we all know what happened there. And Brian Edwards. I mean, you look at these guys, none of these guys with the exception of Simpson could stay on the field. They just didn't stay on the field. Now again, that's not passing judgment. Like they're never going to be good players. I'm not saying that at all. But this class, you know, at the end of the year, I rated it incomplete. (laughs) And I guess I was being nice, right? So I didn't give him a grade. I didn't give him a C like Nick did on NFL.com. But but I gave him an incomplete because I thought, hey, look, I still think there's talent there. I still think some of these guys can do it. But, man, as far as contributing in their first year and how it worked out in the first year, nah, not so great for a lot of different reasons. And everybody had COVID issues. So, you know, you can't use that as a, as a singular issue, although it played into it. But other injuries, you know, Damon Arnett with the concussions because of how he's throwing himself around. You know, hopefully with better coaching, you, you hope that Gus Bradley and his team coming in, and Damon Arnett's going to have Ron Miles back there, who's a great, great coach. You, you have to hope that that sort of stuff goes away in year two. You need to see that in year two. You need to see Brian Edwards, a guy that the Raiders might need to count on. If they have to go out and spend all that money on defense and they do it in free agency, which I'm in favor of, by the way, then uh, Nelson Aguilar probably not going to come back. Now, you might be able to go find another veteran wide receiver on a, on a team friendly deal, but they need Brian Edwards to come through. I mean, you're a third round pick, right? So it's, it's, it's one of those deals, along with Henry Ruggs, where you need those guys that you drafted to address your wide receiver needs. You need them to come through and they weren't able to fully i say fully this year but next year they're going to need him i mean do you guys disagree with that i just think you know before you talk about alan robinson and i know he's a great wide receiver, all that stuff they got guys they spent capital on it so you either you have to make a determination is brian edwards a guy you can count on you're going to take a gamble on that one because he hasn't done it yet right he's only a year in i know he can develop but you still have to do that. And you have to see whether or not. I mean, you look at the rest of the division, uh, and the draft worked out pretty well for most of those teams. I mean, it's hard to argue, although I would argue the Chiefs. The Chiefs might even be a C, too. But they had one player who significantly contributed. And I think that's the difference. That's why they got a B when the Raiders were given a C. Because out of the Raiders' top four picks, one was traded before the season even started and all the rest of them couldn't stay on the field. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that is what it is. And I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's truthful. I think the Raiders had a lot of draft capital last year and it, it just it hasn't panned out yet. But the question is, will it pan out? Because if it doesn't, then that's a whole different issue. And if the Raiders go out looking for wide receivers this year, in free agency then then you know they're really concerned, but I don't think they will i think I think defensive tackle, defensive end, maybe even linebacker if there's anybody available, definitely in the draft there is but I, I just don't know what what's what the thinking is yet, but I, I think they like their young players, I think they count on their young players, they counted too much on them this year, and they didn't come through so now that you know that, you know exactly what you need to fill. Uh, And I'm on the J.J. Watt train. I don't know about you guys, but I am. I think it would be a good fit. I'm going to ask Vinny Bonsignor about it when he joins us about 340. But I I think it's a good move. That, coupled with a couple young guys, another veteran, safety, defensive end maybe even. Then then you start cooking with grease, as Q would say. (laughs) Uh, Because I think that that's what this team needs. If this team can get that defensive line – To pressure quarterbacks in the AFC West, you change the whole dynamic because I think the Raiders' offense is good enough to win. I mean, you saw it, right? So so I think they can do it. They just have to get the right personnel in. And that's always the hard thing because you go, you find talent, and talent is one thing, but does it all mesh together? And that's the hardest piece. Even if you have your own business out there, I don't care what business you're in. When you have a business, you have to put together the right people, the right ingredients to kind of get things moving. And sometimes you, do, you make the wrong choice. doesn't mean that the person you brought in talent, but for whatever reason, culturally, doesn't fit. And in this case, you know, it's a locker room thing or whatever. And I don't know that that's the case with any of these guys because I don't. But that's, that's – I'm just saying what a general manager like Mike Mayock and a coach like John Gruden have to consider – When they're going out looking for free agents, they're going out, they're looking for possible draft picks in this draft, in this weird draft, by the way. If any year I was going to trade my first-round draft pick, it would be this year, especially if I'm going to go sign free agents. Because even though those rookie deals in the NFL are the most valuable thing there is, you just don't know what you're getting this year. I mean, sure, the top five, top ten picks, maybe. But once you get past ten... With 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 shortened season with COVID and the restrictions and no you know, no new tape on a lot of these guys. And then of course there's no combine. Although there's some private combine I guess they're gonna do now. But other than that, there's like there's nothing going on. Pro days don't count, man. Those, those you just don't get and I'm not saying the three cone, which my friend Kelly Kreiner always makes fun of, and I agree with him. But those opportunities to evaluate those kids, the bigger opportunity at the combine when you're talking about draft picks is the interviews you're sitting with somebody as a player personnel person in the NFL, you're able to sit across for them from them, look them in the eye, read their body language. Oh, you can't get that on zoom. You just can't, you guys know what I mean? A lot of you out there are doing work meetings by zoom and all this kind of stuff. I mean, hell, I'm doing this radio show from my, from my home studio here in Las Vegas, right? I haven't been in the studio in months. And yeah, I can get the job done, but you know, if I was interviewing for a job or somebody's interviewing me, how do you, you don't get that sense. You need that feel. And so I think this year, as we've mentioned with several guests over the past couple of weeks on this, the teams with the really good scouting departments are going to clean up, right? Cause they're going to know, Hey, you know what? Out of the guys left in the first round, there's just, there's just not enough value. So let's trade down. If I'm the Raiders, do I trade down from 17 into the second round, pick up a couple extra picks? Because I went out and I addressed my, my needs in free agency on defense, or at least a lot of them. And then do I pick up some other? Do I pick up some offensive linemen? Do I pick up uh, uh, another offensive player? Might be a running back, whatever. But I think those are the questions you have to ask, right? And it's just this weird year, I'm telling you. I think you're going to see... Remember, the, the first round, the, the biggest misnomer amongst NFL fans, in my view, is that a first-round draft pick is a sure thing. Not true. Something like some first-rounders don't end up being with their same team after three years or past their first contract, right? So if that's the case, you know, a lot of folks talk like a first-round draft pick... Now, if you're a top five, top 10, most of the time, you're going to see those guys most of the time work out, but the Raiders are at 17. They're kind of in the middle. That's why I always say eight and eight is the worst thing you can ever be in the NFL. (laughs) Not to make you feel bad, Raider Nation, but eight and eight sucks because you know why you're not bad enough where you're going to be in that top 10 and you're not good enough where it doesn't matter when you're already playing in the playoffs and fighting for a championship. So the Raiders are going to have to decide on that one. We'll see. I I really believe you'll be able to tell a lot more about their draft strategy as we see what they do in free agency, especially early on. What are they going to go out and do? Uh, And I'm not talking about just who they're rumored, but actually who they go out and and nab. Who do they go out and sign? I'm all for J.J. Watt. I like Richard Sherman. I like some of the other. Patrick Peterson was mentioned by a caller earlier. Absolutely. guys should consider. So, so if they can go out and get some of those guys, then the draft takes on a whole different kind of meaning. And you start to look at different ways. You have more flex. I mean, I think they have more flexibility. If they go out and address some of their biggest defensive needs in free agency with some studs, then they can do a lot of things. I mean, they can look for that next offensive tackle if Trent Brown's on his way out. I think that's important. You can never get comfortable on either side of the ball. So so if you're going to tell me the Raiders offense doesn't need any help, you're wrong. You can always go for depth. You can always improve at certain positions. And I think that's something they should consider. All right, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we will talk more with you about Raider football. Tell me what you give the rookie class. What do you think about these rankings from NFL.com and the grade of C that they gave this reg? I think that's actually a pretty... Pretty generous. I might even give him a D, a C minus, or like I said, I give him an incomplete. Uh, but we'll get your uh talk about that. What do you think about JJ Watt coming to the Raiders? Is that a good one? And we'll talk a little more about uh the rest of the world of sports. You're with Scott here on Silver and Black today only on Raider Nation Radio. <music>
0: The autumn wind is a Raider, and when it blows, it comes from the Las Vegas desert. Back to silver and black today, here on Raider Nation Radio 920
1: AM. All right, welcome back. Getting your Friday pumped up. Getting those cold beverages ready. Some time at home. It's a nice sunny day here in Las Vegas. A little windy. We're supposed to get rain today. We got some snow in the mountains, but cleared up pretty good. We get the, the the most weather we get here is is of course the heat, but it's also wind. I mean, hey, Chris, you grab the mic. I want to talk to you about the wind. The wind. You there? No, he's there. He'll be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay, yeah. The wind here, you know, that like when when those when we get those winds, like they're unrelenting.
2: Yeah, they they definitely are. Wow, that was weird. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> it's one of the things. Like I love our weather here. I mean, I grew up on you like you. You know, you're from Chicago. I grew up in the Northeast. We kind of talked about our pizzas the other day, but yes, I can tolerate the cold. Like, I'm the idiot. I traveled to Stockholm, Sweden two years ago in January because I, I kind of missed the, the snow and the cold weather just just for a long weekend, right, five, six days. But it's the wind, and even as a kid, I, I, I was never a fan of the wind. Like, cold is fine. Snow, yeah. I can live with. I don't like driving in it, but I can live with it. I go up and visit one of my good friends in Salt Lake City. I, I, I can tolerate it, but it's when the wind starts blowing and it's when it's, like, really, really cold and it blows – it's, it's rough and it blows it blows hard here and for me I get really bad allergies so I'm not a fan of the yeah. wind for a multitude of reasons but I'm not sure if it's worse like because we we get the, the wind in the summer too
1: yes and that, actually I think
2: it's worse in the summer it's it's almost like you're stepping into a furnace right yes. because you, you walk out your door and it's a hundred and then you have 15, 20 mile an hour winds and it's just blowing that hot air right in your face. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I need to take a drive to San Diego because I, I, yeah. I got to get away from it for a couple of days. Like, like it's so funny, like we, we go away for the summer to avoid the, the wind and the heat and other people come here because they're like, hey, Vegas in the summer, we could do pool parties and hopefully yeah, soon. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the wind sucks.
1: Well, and the wind, the wind, you're right, during the summer, man, I'm telling you, if if you guys have been to Vegas in the summer, you know what I'm talking about. When you get in the wind, like literally it dries your eyeballs out. Like it's it's blowing in your face and you're getting sand and all kinds of stuff in your face. And, and it just – you already get dehydrated. Now, when you live here, you know how to hydrate. You would constantly drink water, and so you get used to that, right? But that wind and what it does to your skin and all that stuff, man, it's tough. Although I'm, I'm now at the time of the year, and it started to warm up a little bit, where I want the warm weather. But then again, in about two and a half months, I'm going to be saying, holy crap, it's 95 already.
2: Yeah, I, I know that feeling. I mean, I, I drive a convertible. So for me, it's like I have I, – I specifically bought it because we do have so many nice months of Mm -hmm. weather here but last year was hard because it was cold it seemed like all the way up until april may and then it just got really hot really quick and then our our fall which is normally like october september those are usually the best months of the year for weather yeah yeah it was so hot even into early october that i couldn't put the roof down like it was still 99 100 degrees into october and it was kind of like a waste. I'm like, oh man! But I had the roof down yesterday driving to work, and I'm like, yeah, I, I can deal with this. I I I like it when it when it's like 70. I think everybody does, right? Isn't that like ideal?
1: Yeah, and it's funny too because with the with the with the shutdown, like what I did was like, it was like late September. So because because usually here it's always around Halloween where it just drops off and it's cold. I mean, cold by our standards. You know, you're talking about highs in the low 50s during the day and stuff like that. And it didn't, like you said, it didn't happen till like beginning of November. And so I remember going out, I bought some new sweaters and even though we don't go out anywhere right now, but I bought some new clothes and literally I've not worn them that much because it's, it's been such a warm, dry winter. And I always, I, if I have no idea, I should have somebody from the national weather service come on cause they're really good. But, um, it seems like anytime we have a winter like this, the summer is absolutely brutal. It's like a pattern. But then I read the whole, you know, you have El Nino and La Nina. It's a La Nina year. (laughs) It's a La Nina year, which is why we haven't had rain, which means it's going to be like a scorcher. Anytime I hear hear El Nino or La Nina,
2: I always think of that old Chris Farley SNL where he's like,
1: (laughs) I am El Nino, which is (laughs) Spanish for... Exactly. The Nino. <laughs> uh, by the way, we're taking your calls, 702-365-9200. What do you guys think of the Raiders draft class 2020? Uh, as I said, NFL.com gave them a C rating, the worst in the AFC West. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. I'm also asking you your opinion on J.J. Watt as a Raider. We're going to go out on the phone line now, and it is Ron. Ron, you're on with Scotty and Chris here on Silver and Black today. What's going on, Ron?
3: Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, brother. Hey, enjoy the uh enjoy the wind and uh, and stuff cuz it's minus 8 where I'm living here.
1: <laughs> oh no. Where are oh, you at? No.
3: Montana. Oh, oh, Montana.
1: Wow. You got you got you got that cold and 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 all that up there and then you got all those damn Californians moving oh,
3: Yeah, that's yep. <laughs> so I, li- I live near uh, near Bozeman. I don't know if you know where that is at or not. Oh, yeah, of course. I live in a little town called Belgrade. West of Bozeman but it's minus eight.
1: Oh, oh my gosh.
3: That, yeah, I, with in fact, wind, Ron,
1: but... I, I tweeted out a story, I think it was this morning or last night, uh, about Bozeman and how you guys are having trouble with housing up there because there's so many people, teleworkers moving oh. up there and driving the price of your houses through the roof.
3: Well, yeah, you know, the problem is, you know, someone sells their million dollar house on the on the west coast and they come here and it's like they can buy 30 acres of land and Mm -hmm. half a million dollar house and, and, and live like Kings. And, and it just, you know, um, a lot of people can't make a living like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's tough. I know
3: it's, it's really, uh, it's insane.
1: So what do you think of uh, JJ Watt? Are you, are you in favor of signing JJ Watt?
3: I I like JJ Watt. Um, hopefully, you know, I don't think he's too rich for our blood, but, Mm -hmm. um, I like J.J. Watt, and I think I read an extra article, and I I think we're I would give us a C mm-hmm. on our draft class. I think maybe the the uh, Chiefs ought to go to a, like a C plus or something like that, but I don't know. I I think I think we're good with a C. I you know we had two of them were weren't even on the we had two rookies who weren't even on the field. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, rugs was hurt and, you know, I, I just the incomplete would probably be, you know, <laughs> pretty good, you know?
1: Yeah. But, that's uh, what I said. Uh, Ron, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate you. stay warm up there and don't be a stranger. All right, my friend. All right, man. All, right. all right. There's Ron up in, in Bo near Bozeman, Montana.
2: That's crazy. Um, M- Bozeman. I mean, I used to work in the pioneer league, which is single yeah. rookie ball basically. And, uh, we were the affiliates for the Kansas City Royals. I was based in Idaho Falls, and Pioneer League, we had, I think, four teams in Montana, one in Wyoming, one in Idaho, and a couple in Utah, and I'll tell you what, going up into Montana in the summer, I mean, Missoula and Helena, talk about great weather in the in the oh. summer. Oh, my gosh. It was like 75 degrees every day, and it was clear skies, and I mean, Bozeman, where, where, near where he's at, it's, it's, it's a little more flat, but... Man, I used to love those road trips to uh, Missoula because Missoula was such a cool town where the university oh. is. Oh my goodness! Just a, to-
1: I, sp- I spent time when I was traveling with UNLV women's basketball. Went up to the NCAA tournament up there and had a great time. And there was this there was this bar right across from campus called the Press Box, <laughs> which <laughs> nice. was funny. Yeah, it was great. And so Ed, we Ed were. At- Ed and and uh, Ed and Tyler
2: Bischoff were not there. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we went there and and the people up there were so much fun. But we went out one night and up there in, in Montana, you can have establishments that have poker. Right. So you can have poker rooms. And so we'd go into these bars downtown. Downtown, if you remember, Chris, downtown Missoula is beautiful. It's like oh, it's, kind it's of a like gorgeous IT. town. Yeah. Yeah, the idyllic kind of uh, old school, small downtown, uh, and and so we got we went out and we we had a, a little too many adult beverages. Myself and uh, one of the assistant coaches at UNLV and some of the equipment guys. And so we had to walk. We were, we were parked. Uh, our driver, we had a driver. A driver was parked in this parking lot down by the river there because the, the, the University of Montana is right on the river. And we were parked and it kind of, or you walk down the ramp. So we had to walk like, I don't know, like five or six blocks to get to the parking lot. As we're coming down the main drag in Missoula, it's like, it, it's probably, I don't know, one or two in the morning. And it's starting to snow, right? Because it's still only like March or yeah, maybe late March. So they still get snow up there until May sometimes. So it's starting to lightly snow and it, it just looks beautiful with the lights downtown. And we turn the corner and in the middle of the road is the biggest moose I have ever seen in my life. Like massive, and if you know anything about about moose, um, what do they call them? Yeah, moose. They're uh, I forgot what the plural was. I think um, it's moose, right? Plural is moose yeah, as well. It is moose. Yeah. So you look at you look at. We turn the corner and there's this massive moose, and we had been told by our driver because he drove us around basically the whole four or five days we were there. He said, "Yeah, if you ever see one, they're mean as hell. You know, just stay away from them." So we turned the corner. There's like these four drunk guys in the middle of the road, plus our designated driver. And like, we're in a stare down with the moose and the snow is falling. I'm like, oh my God, this is how I'm going to die in the middle of this road in Montana with a moose charging me. And we stood there still. I mean, literally nothing left. You can hear the wind. You can hear the snow coming down, hitting our hats and all that. And the moose kind of just turns and walks down and walks away. Oh it was my God! Yeah.
2: Well, be, be glad it was a moose and not what their uh, university nickname is, because that probably would have been much, much worse.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Grizzlies would not be good. Um, all right, we got one caller. We'll get here before the break, Chris. It is Frank. Frank, you're on with Scott and Chris here on Silver and Black today. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks good, Frank. What's on? going on today? Great.
4: Hey, you're, you're talking about the draft and reading the draft the last couple of years, and then also about JJ Watt. Just going back about the draft the last two years, I just wanted to make sure that I don't think the grades are really – the Raiders are really getting a true measure because um, Mm. I don't think a lot of those players can truly be evaluated fairly based upon the the coaching. I don't think that um, – especially some of those defenders. um, Mm. I think you're going to see the reality of the draft classes come out when Gus Bradley, uh, you know, takes the – Take the take the reins on that defense and simplifies and let those guys run, let those dogs hunt.
1: Yeah, Frank, I, I you know what I agree with you. I think that's fair because um, you know I have my doubts on some of them. But at the same time, you know, at cornerback uh, with Damon Arnett and then at safety with Jonathan Abram, especially, those are tough positions to learn in the NFL, especially with the way the NFL has gone offensively. And so you're right. That's why I that's why I said incomplete when the season was over, because I really want to see what they're able to do in a new scheme with a new coach. And like I said, Ron Miles on the back end, being that defensive backs coach, he's one of the best there is in the NFL. And so if he can't get it out of him, then I would be ready to say, OK, this guy's not going to make it. But I think I think they will. I think they'll come around, and I think you get some veterans on that defense, uh, and that'll make all the difference in the world.
4: I, I I agree, and at the same time, I really think that uh, Cleve Farrell hasn't hit his stride yet. I think that uh, once they put him in a and use him in a, in a proper position, even if he slides over into a DT and slides mm-hmm. a little bit more interior, and actually gets a simplified and gets some some support from the from the edges, uh, I I think he's going to come into his own. He's a big dude. And um, yeah. I, I, you can see, obviously, the jump from year one to year two. And then, you know, I, I, I just don't think that we've got a, a true measure. I mean, they also also looking, uh, you know, the overall, you know, the receivers. I, I think Ruggs needs to work in. It's, admittedly, he's, he's saying that he just didn't have that overall, you know, uh, ability to come in during a COVID year. So I would wait another year. Let's go ahead, and I think that's the same thing that goes with uh, going out looking for Mayock and Gruden to see how they're drafting or what they're doing leading this this organization. Let's give them yep. another year, and, and then we can be truly critical of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to ride or die with these guys, but uh, <laughs> let's find out. Let's, let's find, what find out what they're getting. Now, now, now going to Watt. Um, I, I really think that Watt would solidify the interior of that line. I think that he would be somebody that I would go after. I don't know how much gas he has in the tank, but I think that he is not a Witten. I think he's going to come in and he's going to produce, and he's going to produce by example, and he's going to give them something that they can use on the field. Um, I'm a big Sherman fan. I'd like to see Sherman uh, come over. I know he's injured. He's got a little history of injuries, but i like to see him come over as a free safety. Um, i like to see him kind of go like all You know, uh, uh, Rod or Charles Woodson. You know, kind of taking that 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 middle and uh, showing these guys and actually helping them develop from an academic standpoint.
1: Yeah, Frank, I agree 100 percent with everything you just said, and I think you put J.J. Watt in the middle of that line, uh, and 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 you rotate him right too. That gives that gives Mo Hurst somebody to really learn from and continue time to develop. It also gives, like you said, Cleveland Furl the opportunity to play inside and learn from one of the guys who did it the best. Uh, and then you address the one edge, and then you have uh, Crosby on the other. So so I think there's a great opportunity there. Now I think there will be competition for him though, so it's just going to come down to can they afford him. Uh, and what are they willing to give him and what is he looking for from an opportunity you know does he want to go somewhere like Baltimore who's really uh, maybe a, a closer to an opportunity to win a championship than the Raiders are although I think with that guy in the middle and you address some of the other free agents they could go get coupled with some young guys uh, in early in the draft they, they might be they can contend and go deep in the playoffs I really believe that uh, but we'll have to see what they're able to do with the financial constraints that they have uh, so it'll be fun to watch frank great call man don't be a stranger we'll talk to you again real soon okay we're up against a break when we come back from the break we'll talk to vinnie bonsignor we'll take your calls too. tell us what you think of jj watt and what you think of the draft how do you rate the draft class of 2020 yeah it's early i give him an incomplete but uh uh, nfl.com gave him a c so you tell me what you guys think here on silver and black today only on raider nation radio
0: (music) From Stabler to Plunkett and Allen to Jacobs, we've got your Raiders covered on Silver and Black today. Here's your host, Scott Cole Branson.
1: Welcome back. Friday edition of Silver and Black today as we are on the home stretch. And thanks for all the great callers today, man. Great, great, uh, great comments. About the Raiders draft class, of course, talking about the grade we saw up on cbssports.com, and, of course, about J.J. Watt. We now go live through the magic of all these wires to the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and their beautiful studio there where Vinny Bonsignor is about to do his show, which comes up next here at 4 o'clock in the huddle with Vinny and Lincoln Kennedy. Vinny, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. So so J.J. Watt, right? So J.J. Watt officially released. Uh, Want to get your perspective on this. Um, and if the price is right, which is always the big concern, uh, I would love to see him in the middle of that, that line with those young guys there. I think he'd be such a great presence in the locker room. What, what say you?
0: Yeah, no question about it. He makes a lot of sense for the Raiders uh, for different reasons. Uh, The question is, does the Raiders make uh, do the Raiders make a lot of sense for JJ Watt at this point in his career? And that's really no disrespect uh, to the Raiders necessarily. Uh, I would imagine um, at the age that JJ Watt is right now, uh, and you know everything that he's done in his career uh, and you know as as somebody that's a competitor somebody that you know wants to win championships at this stage of your life you probably want to go someplace uh where you know you're at the doorstep of a championship if I'm jj watt that's what I'm looking at Uh, And there's only a few teams probably uh, that fit that kind of a bill. Um, And I'm not quite sure the Raiders are there yet. Uh, They have to prove that they can make the playoffs. They have, you know, improvements that they need to make. Uh, If I'm J.J. Watt, nothing, no disrespect to the Raiders Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, But, you know, I probably have my eyes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chicago Bears, uh, maybe the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams that you feel Uh, are a little bit more closer um, to winning a championship because really that's the only thing that's lacking in J.J. Watt's career.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I brought that up earlier. And it's it's true. I mean, when you get to that point in your career, and you know, you got a little bit left, right? But you know, you're getting towards the the, the next phase of your life and, and life after football, probably, uh, you start to think about, hey, what haven't I done? And you're right, he hasn't won a championship yet. Um, but Vinny, you know, we keep talking about, I mean, this time of the year, of course, all the rumors start coming out. Uh, we have mock drafts, all that goodness <laughs> that happens yeah. as football ends for the season. Uh, but we keep hearing about, the, the fact that there's going to be so much movement, that because of the salary cap reduction, uh, even though it's not going to be as big as we once anticipated, that you're going to start seeing guys, quote unquote, hit the streets pretty soon. Uh, how quickly you think that's going to happen? Do you think you start to see that? We've already started to see a little bit with J.J. Watt, but you think we're going to start to see some of those names drop pretty soon here in the next couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, the closer we start getting to the uh, new league year, uh, the closer that we start getting to you know what is the uh, salary cap going to really look like, uh, the more you're going to see teams maneuvering. Uh, it's it's not unusual at this time of year. Uh, I think it's uh, probably going to be a little bit more pe- hectic this year because, as you mentioned, the salary cap is going down. Normally it goes up. Uh, I don't think that it's gone down. Uh, short of a, a work stoppage um, you know, 10 years ago or so or, or whenever that was, uh, short of that happening, uh, it's always been the opposite. It always goes up. This year it's going to go down. We don't know exactly how much. Um, fortunately, it looks like it's going to be less. Uh, than what the original, um, you know, estimations might be. So that's a good thing. Uh, but but once you start getting a better feel for where this salary cap is going, that's when you're going to start seeing some of the moves. Uh, the Raiders uh, have already made a decision uh, to go ahead and, you know, release Terrell Williams. Um That was something that, you know, obviously was – it was imminent. Uh, It was inevitable. Uh, So it's not much of a breaking news story, but uh, it just kind of shows you that that process is already uh, starting. And I'm sure there's a lot of conversations uh, happening right now uh, in this very building that I'm in right now uh, (laughs) along the lines of, you know, how do we as the Raiders, as an organization, uh, handle the salary cap? There's, you know, uh, players that are pretty obvious – Uh, that kind of stick out as sore thumbs in terms of guys that the Raiders can really turn to. Terrell was one of them um, in terms of creating some salary cap uh, space and salary cap relief.
1: Uh, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. He's coming up next here within the huddle uh, with Lincoln Kennedy, who's his birthday boy. Or did he take his birthday off?
0: Uh, Well, you know, he's... yeah, Lincoln is uh, at, at this po- uh, uh, time of year. By the way, I think he was on uh, – there was something he was on. Uh, he was on television uh, earlier today. I was just going to uh, tape it uh, so I could watch it a little bit later on. But, you know, he's, Lincoln's definitely spending time with the family right now this time Good. of year. Uh, we wish him well. Uh, he'll be back sooner uh, rather than later. But, uh, you know, uh, up there in, um, in, in beautiful Arizona. And uh, so uh, he's happy with the family uh, doing the, the dad thing.
1: That's good stuff. And Vinny, I'll tell you, so so you talked about Terrell Williams. Not a surprise. They clear up the money there. Of course, the big shoe, and it is a very big shoe that everybody's waiting to, to hear drop, is the decision on Trent Brown. What's what's the latest there? What's What does your gut tell you about what's going to happen with Trent Brown?
0: I, I still think it's in the decision-making uh, process. There's a couple of different ways that that could fall. Um, we were talking about this yesterday. Look, if you... Here's the question that the organization has to ask. Uh, Was last year kind of a fluke uh, for for Trent Brown? Was it just the product of bad luck uh, um, in terms of him playing just the four games uh, out of the 16 games, eight plays uh, of a fifth game? Uh, and 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 you just feel like if if you as an organization feel that that was legitimately the case that you know what it wasn't for lack of want it wasn't for lack of effort it wasn't for uh, lack of, of care or professionalism or anything like that he just went through one of those crazy years that sometimes happens between the injuries between COVID nineteen between you know whatever happened uh, in Cleveland that that you know pr- uh, created a setback uh, as well if you as an organization feel like that was just a fluke, then, you know, it's easier for you then to turn and look at Trent Brown, the player, and say, you know, this guy when right when he's out there playing is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. And uh, not having him creates a huge hole, a significant hole that the Raiders would then have to replace. Uh, So it solves a whole lot of problems for the Raiders if they can confidently answer that question of... We feel good moving forward that he's going to be able to give us games consistently. After what happened uh, last year, if that's a definitive, yeah, we're confident. Then I could see him coming back, uh, but and maybe even at a um, you know renegotiated contract. Remember, yeah. uh, Trent Brown doesn't have any more guaranteed money coming to him uh, these next two years. There's ways to uh, lower that cap hit, uh, put some guaranteed money in his pocket, and give the Raiders a little bit of relief and, and bring him back uh, at a at a lower number. Uh, so you could see something like that happening. But if they can't answer that question, if they if there's still any question any lingering concerns, uh, any worry that, you know what, we're going to go down this road and it's going to be the same thing that happened uh, last year, then it's probably time to move on from Trent Brown.
1: Uh, Vinny, one of the things that that uh, Mike Mayock talked about right after the season um, with you too was about uh, the young players and commitment and making sure that they're doing everything from getting in the weight room uh, to to nutrition. Um, where's the sense of where that's at? Do you, think, do you think those guys got the message? I know I've seen pictures of Darren Waller at the facility working out because I think they can go do limited workouts now. Um, are, are we getting a sense for those young guys really uh, batting down the hatches, stay, staying in Las Vegas or at least training? where they're at uh, to the point where uh, they got the message from Mike Mayock?
0: Yeah, and, you know, uh, not sure where they uh, are, are doing it, but I don't think there was ever uh, any lack of or any any concern on the part of Mike Mayak and the organization of whether these guys were going to work hard uh, or, you know, do their due diligence in terms of getting in the weight room and, and eating right and getting on a nutritional program. I don't think it was it was not said out of concern. It was just said out of common sense. This right. is the next step for young players. and And, you know, we have to remember... Uh, that, you know, there wasn't a foundation set for these guys last year because they couldn't get into the building until the very first day of training camp, basically, Um, you know, or or for the rookies was a couple days before training camp started. Everything was done, um, you know, on a uh, on on a drop of a dime basis. There was no foundation set uh, in the spring. That's a that's a tough deal for for rookies. And in the case of Damon Arnett, it wasn't that he didn't want to work out, he couldn't work out. <laughs> he he, was, he had a broken right. wrist, and then it, then it was operated on. You know, so that cost him seven weeks of being able to to really get into the weight room and, and work on his body. You just can't do it. So again, um, as far as getting the message, I think the message is already that's already been established. It's just, hey, this is what guys at this stage of their careers now need to do. Um, and it, and you know, everybody on every team in every sport at the very end of the season. Uh, there's what they call an exit interview where you literally sit down with your position coach, your head coach, the general manager – uh, the coordinator of, of whatever side of the ball you play on, or if you're LeBron James, you know, it's uh, Frank Vogel um, and, and and the general manager of, of the Lakers. It, it, this is across all sports. Before you leave, everybody sits down and goes over the season that you had, uh, and these are the things that we want um, you to work on. And when I cover the Lakers, at, we, we would literally cover the exit interviews, and then afterwards mm-hmm. we would talk to the players, then we would talk to the coaches. Hey, what they say to you? What was – you know, well, in the case of Kobe Bryant, you know, this is what we need him to do going into year three. Um, this is what he, we needed him to do in year four. It wasn't, hey, he's getting put on notice. Kobe Bryant's getting put on notice. It was just like, hey, this is the stage. feedback. Yeah, exactly. And so it just – it still kind of amazes me, um, this the, the way people look at – uh, stuff like this, as it's all contentious and it's, you know, uh, it's angry and everyone's mad at each other and you're, you're on notice, uh, Henry Ruggs. No, you're just, this is basically what we need you to do. Uh, uh, we're happy where you are right now. Uh, this is where we feel like you can get to, uh, you know, between now and when we see you again uh, in the spring and then, at, you know, going home from the spring, then there's, okay, this is what we need you to look like when you come back to training camp. It's all an ongoing process. And I think people, and, and fans, maybe because it's just being reported on. More and more, maybe fans are taking it the wrong way, but it's yeah. it's you have to have an understanding of this is just a normal process.
1: Well, and Vinny, as you know uh, from the from the world of social media, too, people who are negative thinking they look for things and they can cont- they make it negative even if it's not. <laughs> so yeah, it's, that's just the way times, it goes. Today. Hey, there
0: are times where hey, we're disappointed, you know, sure. with number seven or whoever it is. I'm not, saying, I'm just you know, and he needs to really buckle down and he understands that, and we can't have a repeat performance of last year. You've seen you hear that as well, but. This wasn't sure. one of those type of situations.
1: No, it wasn't. Vinny, listen, have a good show. Make sure you tune in to Vinny coming up next here on In the Huddle, only on Raider Nation Radio. Take care, my man. Have a great weekend.
0: All right, you too. Talk to you later.
1: All right, Vinny's coming up next right from the Raiders facility in Henderson for Chris Chapman, my producer, co-host, and engineer. I am Scott Branson. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. We're out Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday live here on Raider Nation Radio.